You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You Podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on the Renewed You Podcast. I am your host, John Yule. I've got a special co-host with me today, my buddy, my partner, and the brainchild behind SGN, Jeremy Griffin. Say hi, Jeremy. Hello. My name is Anigo Montoya. <laughs> Prepare to die. Yeah, exactly. My wife said that to me the other night. I don't know what happened, but she's a redhead, so that would explain. Dude, she Anything posted is, some I major stuff on Facebook about redheads today. It's real. Is it real? It is real. How I have are a you, story. How are you still alive? Share. Well, um, it, I learned quick, and I think when it was our first or second year of marriage when she uh, bit me... Um, out of anger. <laughs> That's when I decided that maybe, maybe I shouldn't uh, push her that much. I was pestered. So she has a, an older brother. What kind of pushing were you doing here? Are you just... No, dude, listen, it was really, it was nothing at all. So I'm just going to tell the story and this will be the first time anyone, there public, you go. not the first time, but um, no. So, so we're like in our early twenties. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. We're well, you, wait, you want to introduce Brad Griffin. first? Do you want to introduce Brad first? Now I'll tell your story and then I'll introduce Brad. So if you guys hear another voice, it's Brad. It's Brad. Um, Brad Davis. Brad Davis. <laughs> Brad Davis. Dun, dun, dun. Um, no. So here, so we're, uh, we're, we haven't had kids yet. Right. So we had our kids, we got married at 20, had kids at 22. So somewhere in that time frame. And uh, I'm pestering her. I didn't grow up with a, a sibling in my house. I, I didn't know anything about pestering. And and so she's like, you better stop. You better stop. <laughs> and what I'm doing is I'm I'm just lightly pulling her hair. Like, you know, seriously, lightly. But she's giving you a warning. No, she is. No, she totally is. But I'm not <laughs> saying I'm smart. I've never said that. Um, and so, so I'm like, why? What are you going to do? And that kind of voice and everything, yeah. right? Totally playful. Then she kind of, she hits me like in the arm, you know, like you know people do and i'm and i'm like oh and i'm just still being playful i'm like oh what are you gonna do then she starts like really hitting me and i'm like whoa, whoa wait a minute so i grab her arms and i have my shirt off you know and i grab her arms that's I, scary dude that's so scary dude it gets i cannot unsee that right now well listen i didn't uh. look like i do today i was in my early 20s okay i was a freaking adonis bro <laughs> That's never been true. So, <laughs> so I I wrestle her kind of to the ground. I'm like, whoa, whoa, calm down. What are you doing? And no lie, man, she lunges. I've got her arms pinned, right? She lunges her head and bites me right on the chest. Ouch. Do you know how hard it is to get a piece of chest? <laughs> like upper pectoral? <laughs> yes. And she just ah, and bites me and I jump up and just squeal like, ah, you know, what in the world just happened to me? And she said, I told you to stop pestering me. And I'm like, problem solved. Wow. And that was it. It never happened again. I learned. Hmm. I mean, that's why I say there's wisdom involved there. Like, yeah. So um, redheads really do have a fiery temper. Yeah. Here's the thing I don't think people understand. They they look for that temper. First off, they think it's cute. Let me just tell you, not cute. Okay. Yeah, right. It's not. Uh, the, the It's a fuse issue, right? <laughs> it's a pretty long burning fuse, mm -hmm. but you don't realize it's been lit. There's not like this obvious, oh, okay, yeah. it's a slow buildup, slow buildup, slow buildup, massive nuclear explosion, <laughs> right? I mean, it's so... Now listen, you know. I know, Lori. Come on, Lori. I've... Okay, Lori can't really be that way. Listen, I'll tell you what, Johnny. 
Next time, maybe we go out to dinner. Dude, start no, 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 no. Her. Time out. Time out. <laughs> Listen, when she posted that on Facebook today about redheads and, and violent tempers, I typed, my response was, Johnny is your friend. Johnny is your friend. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make her angry. Yeah. But I've got a guest with us today besides Jeremy. I've got a guest. One of my, he's been a friend of mine since college. Um, and uh, he uh, doesn't realize probably how much of a, a uh, hero he is in, to me um, because he's been through so many different phases in his life and I'm excited for you guys to meet him today. His name is Brad Davis. Brad Davis is the vice president at Southwestern Christian University in Bethany, Oklahoma. And uh, Brad, how you doing, buddy? Man, I am doing great. What an honor like to be on oh. a podcast with you guys. To listen no. to a podcast about no. women biting chest. <laughs> it is not an honor, Brad. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. No, it really is. Like I'm here with, with greatness. Oh my God. <laughs> well, it's our honor to have you, man. And uh, today's podcast is sponsored by New Life Church. We'd love for you to uh, learn more about New Life Church by going to newlifeokc.org. You can follow along with all of our with our journey there, as well as uh, view services and anything else that we have. Any way that we can be a blessing to you and a help to you in your journey, we would love to do it at newlifechurchokc.org. Or, well, the goal of this podcast is to help you figure out how by living a healthy mental life, spiritual life, and physical life, you can actually live your best life ever. Every single person has had mistakes, have had issues that we've got to overcome. And so today's topic is redemption. And redemption is one of those classic spiritual terms that, that we talk about a lot, but we don't really make you know, easy to understand. So here we go here. We're, we're going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Redemption <laughs> is simply taking something that belongs to someone, purchasing it and making it belong to yourself. And in so doing, you allow it to become everything it was meant to be. Think of it this way. I had a friend of mine who had some doves and he kept the doves in a cage the whole time. There was a church that I was at, and we wanted to do a baptismal, and we wanted to release some doves oh at the baptism. Oh yeah, man! Oh my gosh! And so I got another story where I we said, had Kick this the doves. idea. Just remind me. To we you. had this idea of <laughs> releasing doves during the baptism, and having the doves fly around and land in these trees. And so I worked every day for two weeks, releasing the doves and getting them trained to where they would land in the trees. But the guy at the last minute decided, you know what? Those doves belong to me. So we went and we bought those doves from him because he only kept them in a cage. At least we were letting them run free. And we decided to buy those doves and we let them run free, not just at the baptism, but every day for two hours, we released the doves and let them fly around the sanctuary. Guess what? Those doves became our personal best friends. They loved us. And redemption is like that. It's where like you can live your life in a cage. For some of you, you live your life in the cage of religion. For some of you, you live your life in the cage of your mistakes. But if you will allow other people to come into your life, they will allow you to live in a cage that is wide open and break things off of you that seem to hem you in. That's the idea of redemption. And every one of us have had those kind of mistakes that seem to define us. But don't let your mistakes define you. Let your dreams inspire you to become who God has made you to be. And that's really the story that we want to kind of talk through today. 
My buddy Brad. I've known Brad for a long time, but there's part of Brad's story I don't know, and we're going to discover it together. So, Brad, talk to me about growing up as a kid. Where are you from? What did your parents do? That kind of jazz. Man, I am born and raised in Cajun country down in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh huh. That is where, oh. that's where I'm from. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I was born in. Back in the 70s, man, I'm an old dude now. Like, how old are you oh, guys, dude, Don't, we're, we're about the same age. You, you can't 50? do that. We are the is same age, dude. Yes, I am. Shut up, yeah, dude. Yeah, see, I'm not 50. That's the good news. <laughs> so, <laughs> both of you are young pups. <laughs> I'll take it. Shoot, man. No, we I grew up um, in Louisiana. My uh, dad worked for Exxon Oil, and my mom was stayed home, and she she taught a little bit. I went to a Christian school all my life. That was kind of like the deal. You know, I was just in this Christian world bubble. But even in that bubble, there were some things that happened in my life that I needed God to redeem me from. And I needed God to restore. Uh, went to a very large, charismatic, full gospel church, non-denominational church, non-denominational church in Lafayette called Word of Faith. Um, they had a school there called Lafayette Christian Academy. And so I was there from second grade to I graduated in 1990. Nice. Yeah, wow. Graduated on 16 years old, though. I was, I was kind of rough. Because now, how'd you graduate when you were 16? Because I'm smart, John. There no. it is. I was like, <laughs> not everybody waits till they're 20. I need another drink of coffee after that one. <laughs> no, I skipped, I skipped, I think I skipped sixth grade. I went from fifth grade to seventh grade. Oh. And but the problem though is when you're, when you're 16 and everybody else is 18, yeah. Not, yeah. you know, you just, you're kind of like the last guy, you know, to be picked or be right. a part of. It was just tough. It was a little different. Um, but, the good thing about Life at Christian, Christian Academy is our senior year, I graduated fifth in our class. Wow. Dang. Only because my last name was Davis. And there, <laughs> there, seven, there it is. There it is. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Out of seven, man. That's, <laughs> that's strong. Right. Out of 17. Out of 17. Out of 17. A, B, C, D. So there was another person in between the A and the D. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, throughout my life, um, especially at the, the church, and we go to youth camps, and, and that's kind of where... I had my connection with God, where God, uh, you know, being that Christian church and in the school, you know, we always were at chapel, we always had experiences, but I'd go to camp. Uh, that's kind of when God would speak to me. And um, every time I'd be at a camp, we'd have someone speak a word over, they'd point me out and say, mm-hmm. God has his hand on your life. God's called you to ministry, you know, and, and then I'd come back from camp and I'd be on fire for God for a while. And then, you know, like life goes sure. on and you're a young guy, 15, 13, whatever it is. And then you just kind of fall away and then go back to camp the next year. And another speaker would say, Hey, you in the back, you know, boom, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you know, God's called you. Of course you'd come to the front and you'd repent and come back to Christ. And, mm-hmm. and then you kind of go that cycle again. And then really, this is a true story. The third year, third camp, third speaker point at me. And I just said, I know I'm called <laughs> to ministry. I just walked on down the aisle. I knew, I knew, but I remember specifically it was, um, I was in my first year of college. I went to the University of Southwestern Louisiana in Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. Yeah. And I was there for a year. And um, November 17th, uh, 1992, we were in one of those services where and everyone's just worshiping. God's moving. Uh, the pastor doesn't preach. And, you know, everybody's just, man, just celebrating all that God is doing. And and I remember being in the in that service and God speaking to me. Like, the first time I felt like God spoke to me. And he said, I called you. Now, there's one thing when people tell you they have a call. Sure. Something else when you just know God has just spoke to you. And mm-hmm. man, and I was just so overwhelmed. I went to the uh, one of my minister friends that was on staff. I told him, he said, you got you to tell people in the congregation. And so, man, he brings me up on the stage and Pastor Sterling Miller is is there, you know, and he's 
And I'm like a little guy, and he's, I know he's at least 6'5", maybe 6'6", this big old pastor looking down at me, and he said, what is God saying to you? And I'm I'm trying to get the words out. You know, you got 1,200 people looking at you, you know, and I'm just like, you know, trying, it's like that crying, snot bubbles, you know, all this stuff's happening. And all I said was, God's called me into ministry, and I jumped off the stage. Yeah. Like in the place, like everyone just starts clapping and bobby pins start flipping. You know, just, all, <laughs> body surf around yeah, the sanctuary. Like, <laughs> it was great. And, but but as soon as service ended, I was really excited. And this lady came up to me. Now, this lady did not like me because I was dating her stepdaughter. And she never liked me the whole time I was dating her stepdaughter. But I really thought she's coming to me redemption you know i thought oh this yeah. is reconciliation she's gonna yeah. hug me and she's gonna say great i'm so glad you're in my daughter's life and she looked at me she came to me and she said brad that seemed like a bunch of emotionalism we'll see if it's real oh. turned around walked off what an encouragement it was, oh. i was so encouraged i felt <laughs> the feel- lord yeah you know and, yes. but here's here's what the point was I had to decide, am I going to listen to man sure or am i going to listen to what god had said to me right and that began my journey and so from there, I started looking for a school uh, to attend for ministry. I knew God had called me to ministry. Uh, in Louisiana, the only school I knew of was Jimmy Swagger's Bible College. Unfortunately, there were some things going on in his life and that school at the time. And um, our church was not connected with the International Pentecostal, was just connected with the International mm-hmm. Pentecostal Church. I didn't know nothing about the church or its schools. And our youth pastor said, hey, we're going up to Oklahoma City. Why don't you come with us? I went up there, and that is where I met Johnny, mm-hmm. and I met uh, some students that were already there in school, and uh, I felt like that's where God wanted me to come, and so I packed up everything. Now, my parents at this time were overseas. My dad- Okay, is, now that's where I was waiting for you to get okay. to that. So your dad was overseas. This was the first thing I learned about you, because you went away, I think it was our first year, during the holidays or yeah. something, and you brought me back this tie. Yeah. I don't even know if you remember the tie. I still you I have still it. have the tie, man. <laughs> So talk about that, your your parents overseas and yeah, all that. When, we, when I graduated high school in 1990, um, my dad got transferred overseas to Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And because I was 16, he said, I'm not leaving you in the United States by yourself. And so my sister and I and my mom and dad, we all moved there. So I stayed one year um, and just did nothing. Just kind of One year the, in Malaysia. One year in Malaysia. We went to Australia and New Zealand and we just kind of traveled around Thailand. For those that are listening that have no mental concept of Malaysia, can you describe Malaysia real quick? Okay. Those two big buildings is all I said. Oh, come on, dude. The word Malay means yeah. mixture. So a Malaysian is a person who is a mixture of Chinese and Indonesian. Interesting. And that is the Malaysian people. Huh. So, so, but what's crazy in kind Malaysia, of similar to the Samaritans, but in Malaysia, <laughs> they, they look down upon the Chinese and look down upon the Indonesians. But if it hadn't been for those two people, they wouldn't exist. They wouldn't exist. I don't know. How about that? Wow. That is How very similar to the Samaritans, isn't it? I mean, Samaritans, yeah. Jews and Gentiles produce a race called the Samaritans. The Samaritans look down on the Jews and they don't, they reject the Gentiles. Wow. That there's a lot of similarity yeah. there is Malay, but Malaysia is a beautiful area. I did some, mm-hmm. some sleuthing. Okay. Last night in All preparation right. for today, I was surprised. Those were not real images. Oh, they weren't. You, no. Okay. Well, listen. I, your, I thought. I your account, did you? Dude. Yeah. Dude, stay off my account. <laughs> I thought Malaysia would be some flat, watery land, but it is really pretty. It has everything. Uh, of course, you have your the coast and the coastland. You have, you know, the, you have the cities. You have yeah. A couple of really nice cities, and I think it's even more modernized now. And my dad was there from 1990 to 1996, so there were six years and. And I haven't seen the country, or I haven't been there since, but I saw pictures and it's just, man, it's even. Well, it just more made phenomenal. me, it made me wonder, you know, 
Because I think in the time frame that I'm thinking about, did you go back there? I went back during summer. During, and, yeah, that's and what I mean. Christmas, I'd go visit yeah. my parents. And so when I went and I was looking at it, I just thought, what the heck was Brad thinking to come back to Flatlands, Oklahoma <laughs> oh, versus that, you know? That was nice, but I mean, it was it was Malaysia. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't where my friends or, you know, yeah. the calling. But thank God for Exxon. Like you know, my, my, my dad. You know how few people have said that? Exactly. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I thank God for Exxon. It, it, has, it has been a great thing in my life. But they fl- they would fly me for free. And so here I am, 17, 18 years wow. old, and I'd get to go sit in business class. Oh, gosh. Oh, hush. Yeah. Riding, you know, all these business people. And here I am, you know, <laughs> young punk, just flying I'll, business I'll class. have a mimosa, please. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, no, you won't. No. no. <laughs> but I have a hot towel. Exactly. <laughs> As long as it wasn't a yeast hot towel. Yeah. Oh, you don't want those. Oh. Um, so, so you go to Malaysia. Go ahead, Jeremy. No, that was no, my joke. I, I'm done. Yeah, I, I went to Malaysia. And so didn't just hung out for a year, you know, experienced some things. And then I came back and that's when I went to University of Southwestern Louisiana. Felt that call, knew the call. And then I found myself at Southwestern. How did you come to Southwestern from Louisiana? Again, it was our, our, yeah. our church had become affiliated with the denomination and they had said that there was a school in Oklahoma. So our, we were taking, I think it was about five of us were coming up to, mm-hmm. uh, they had like a contest on campus. It was mm-hmm. They call it teen talent back in then. And people oh, would yeah. sing. And of course, uh, that's when uh, I heard this man's voice. Uh-oh. Oh, you wow. sang? Like I sang. I'm, uh-huh. not, I'm not a terrible singer. I'm really not. But there were nine of us. I remember that. And I came in eighth. The only reason I know that is because Randy Henderson came in ninth. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, Randy, teen talent, man. That's Dude. that hits home. Yes, that it does. Uh, we'll tell you that story off air. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so you came to Southwest. It's Johnny's shame, just so we know. No, teen no, talent no. has two levels for Johnny. <laughs> There's the glory, yes, and the shame. Okay, the sh- the shame is being redeemed. Hallelujah! It's being redeemed. Uh, only if I say so. <laughs> did, you, did you win nationals? I did, man, multiple times. Did. Yes, multiple. Um, I multiple. never got to nationals. Oh, we're not going there, Jeremy. Today's right. about Brad. <laughs> so anyway, um, so Brad, you, seriously though, you came to Southwestern. Now here's the crazy thing: um, we got shoved together as roommates at mm-hmm. one point. Didn't know Brad from Adam. And um, I don't know, man. I don't know what it was. I think it started out just because we were roommates. But um, he was just one of the coolest guys on campus because he wasn't stuck up. He wasn't trying to prove something, which a lot of us, including me, uh, who had been raised PH Mm -hmm. in that denominational structure, felt like we had this thing on us that we had to prove things. You know, a lot of expectations. Um, Maybe some of you are listening today and you – completely identify with what I'm talking about. Maybe it was family that had expectations on you, beliefs in you. Um, and maybe they were more than you believed in yourself. And, and you spent all your time trying to prove everybody right and never really being who God had made you to be. Um, that's not a safe place to be, man. Um, and I felt that way at college and Brad was one of the only guys I knew that I didn't get that vibe from. I mean, he was just him, you know, he, Still had fun. Um, I mean, we had all kinds of fun. Um, and so fun we can't talk about. Oh, no, podcast. we're going to talk about it. Um, I was going to say is, man, oh, we're going to talk about it. Stories. I know we're going to talk about it for a minute. Um, but uh, it just so happened that Brad and I are roommates. And um, through a course of events, there was this girl that I was interested in 
kind of in. She had wouldn't have nothing to do with me, Jeremy. She, she was, was smart. Wise. She was very wise at the time. Because I want everybody to understand when I was in college, I had been a lifelong Christian, but I needed Jesus so badly. Um, and I didn't even realize how bad I needed to have an encounter with him. And she was smart enough to see it. But she had this roommate, blonde haired, blue eyes, named Audrey. And there was this one day that it just so happened that Shandra and I found out that Brad and Audrey were like meeting around to kiss. And I would ask Brad, I'd ask Brad, dude, what are you doing? Do you remember your response? What was your response? I'm going to let you tell me because I'm, I'm not sure. I say a lot of things. Dude, you said, dude, we're just kissing. It don't mean nothing. We I don't like, believe that. We're like, come on, man. Well, it just so happened through a course of events years and years and years later, who would have ever thought that my roommate would marry Audrey and that I would marry her roommate, Chandra. That was just crazy. But in that time frame, man, we used to, we had these curfews on campus mm-hmm. and we would sneak out and the girls that we would wind up marrying, they were not let's, the brightest. Let's talk, let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about sneaking out. We would, we would not <laughs> sneak out. No. Cause, cause here's the deal. I, I was a rule follower to, to the most part. We may have opened our windows <laughs> and we may have moved the screen and we could talk to the girls across, but there was no like sliding out the window because, you know, we were both kind of deathly afraid of Ron Moore. We were, but come on, man, at least we were smart enough not to leave a chair outside of our window to crawl back in. Which one did that? Chandra. Chandra, Chandra. did that. That's what I was thinking. I remember that. Chandra one. did. And then another time there was one major entrance door to the girl's dorm. She left her sh- her shoe propping the door yeah. open yeah. so her and Audrey could get back in. You know, it's <laughs> things like this that make me wish I would have gone to university. It has nothing to do with the education <laughs> and everything to do with the stories. Dude, yeah. it's the fun, though, man. I mean, it, It's it too really expensive was. for just that, though. That's the no. problem. Now, back well, in the day, Southwestern was pretty strict, though. I mean, it, it was, was. You had to, like, it was strict in clothing, strict in behavior, you know, mm-hmm. what you could do. Our, our curfew really during the week was 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Yeah. Weekend, it was insane. Weekend, I think we had 11 on Friday 11. and 12 on yeah. Saturday. We had to report that we went to church on Sunday. I went had to, to fill out a report. Yeah, I went to bedside assembly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> got, got baptized in the holy sheet. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Let's not do that again. Yeah, that was close. Uh, um, <laughs> one of the things we don't do here is edit. So if you could uh, refrain. But, but we um, did, man. We had to fill out those forms all the time. Yeah. And But I just thought it was kind of cool that my buddy married Audrey and that I married Chandra. That was that was kind of cool. And so you guys wind up getting married, and you graduated a year after I did. And then, dude, you jetted. Yeah. So Where'd you go? A, so my senior year was uh, really interesting. You know, coming out of the charismatic uh, church, and I just I just enjoyed, and I always had an experiential uh, time in the presence of God. Um, I'll even use the word I felt the Lord. You know, and then at fall revival, the beginning of fall. Uh, 1991 I graduated in oh, excuse me fall of 94 and I graduated in 95 um, a speaker came over and and he spoke over me and said this year you're not gonna feel God hmm. and that was the most difficult year and it was true because revival broke out on campus I mean they we'd have serve, chapel services that went longer I mean people were just being touched by God and I'm not experiencing anything I'm seeing it but I'm not it's not nothing's tugging my heart I just feel void um, and I was struggling. I mean, I, I would leave chapel services while God was still moving because I was just like frustrated. What, what am I missing? What am I doing wrong? And I'm not, and I'm praying, I'm doing all the right things. I'm going to class. I mean, I'm, I'm the guy, like I'm, I'm following Christ, but I'm not experiencing anything. And, um, 
And I remember going to see Dr. Tunstall. I'm telling him, man, this is, this is frustrating. What's going on? And he told me this story about a choo-choo train. Now, mm-hmm. if you ever know Dr. Tunstall, he, he just has a way. <laughs> He's an older gentleman. He just has a way of just kind of breaking things down and uh, bringing you to a place of understanding. He said, you know, he said the Christian life is like a train. He said you have your engine, you have your middle car, and you have your caboose. He said most people, their engine is their feelings, what they feel. Middle car is the faith, is the fact they know God, the fact they're saved. And then the caboose is their faith. Faith comes to last. And so feelings, if it drives you, you're on this constant roller coaster. You're gonna, you'll wake up, I don't feel like going to work. Well, you know, I mean, feelings can, can fake you out, basically. Mm, yeah. And he said, but a strong Christian, a person who's mature, their engine is faith. Their caboose is still fact. They know God. In fact, they know, they know they've made a decision to follow Christ. And then feeling is just can come and go. It doesn't make a difference. Feelings doesn't, won't sway you. And uh, that was in the spring semester and that it just changed me. Hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm just going to trust you, God. I don't feel mm-hmm. you, but I'm going to trust you. And so that was very important for me. And I, and I have shared that story every chance I can because I know people in this day and age, we go by feelings. We go so much by our feelings. And for and, a lot of Christians, they do that. Mm-hmm. And the danger is if you're listening today, your feelings, um, as we kind of start to get a little serious here, your feelings will lie to you. Mm-hmm. You can't trust your feelings. If you're, I tell people all the time, cause kids ask Chandra and I, how we've made it 26 years. Um, well, it's not because we feel like we're in love all the time because yeah. man, there's plenty of times you don't. Um, and at some point there's, there's something else deeper that allows you to stay in. Mm-hmm the the fight or stay on the train if you will and even in your relationship with god um if you if so many of us especially from the charismatic side like what you're talking about we really are driven by our feelings and very very little is driven by our faith and faith is actually there for the times we don't feel things yeah i use the example of isaac i mean gray's example of a person who went by feeling and not by what he knew um jacob's in there he had faked his brother esau by putting some mm-hmm. fake uh, animal on his arm because his brother was hairy. If you don't know the story of Esau, he's hairy. And Isaac said this, it sounds like Jacob, mm-hmm. but it feels like Esau. Mm-hmm. And because he went by his feeling, he gave the, the blessing to the wrong, you know, in a sense, yeah. the wrong son should have gone to the older son. And um, I think many times we have to remember the voice of God because the enemy will send you a bunch of feelings. Oh, yeah, right. That, that, that feels good. Right. It feels right. But the voice of God, if you hear the voice, then um, you're less likely to fall. Because a real feelings. challenge of faith is when you hear the voice and it challenges you in a direction opposite of your feelings. What right. are you going to do? For so many of us, if we're led by our feelings, we'll miss mm-hmm. you know, what God is, is actually telling us to do. So you jet it out of here. Yeah, so, man, I got to the end of that semester, of spring semester, and I was praying, and three offers came to me, and one was out in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, West uh-huh. Columbia, if you guys South aren't familiar Carolina. with Columbia, South Carolina, it is a beautiful place as well. Yeah, I, I, I really wasn't an East People Coast person. People call it the uh, Kuala Lumpur of America. Yeah. <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Columbia, like I, I, I don't know what I was getting into, truthfully, but I did find that um, I knew this is where God had sent me. Yeah. And so I show out, um, kind of, you know, I'm dating Audrey at the time, and I'd already made a decision. I was going to marry her, but I was not going to get married until I had a job. So I went out on Mother's Day weekend, May 1995, interview for this position, 
like this is the craziest church. Like I don't even preach. All I did was sing a song, and they hired me. Like, <laughs> what were you thinking, Derek? Team Talent wins again. I was eighth place <laughs> in regionals. <laughs> But, um, still better than I did. Yeah, still better than I did, <laughs> Randy. And so, um, but here I am, you know, and I go out there. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just the life. No, I'm just, I have a life. I'm just excited. Yeah, okay, yeah. whatever. So I, I meet these folks and, and they just, they decide to hire me. So my start date was June 1st. I go, um, I get back, I buy a ring. And then I propose mm. to Audrey and I say, man, we're going to do ministry together. She had a heart for missions. I had a heart for, for the church. And I mean, this is like, Match made, perfect, right. boom, let's do this. And so, you know, so you do. You go to Bible college and you find your, <laughs> your MRS your spouse, degree. Right? Mm. You find your spouse, your helpmate. And uh, boom, so we got married. And our wedding date was uh, in October of 95. And so I had moved out there, kind of got situated, came back, we got married, and uh, life started. And uh, I was a youth pastor for uh, six and a half years. Man, some of the greatest times of my life. Just, I love youth ministry. I told people that when I got... Uh, when I got the pastoral position, I got demoted. Like, yeah. I mean, it was so different because here's one thing I do know. Those kids are gone in six years, you know, but if you're in a, you're, in a picture, <laughs> you're stuck right. with them for they're 30. never leaving. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> wow. But no, th- those six years of just influence on, you know, going to camps and, and trips and just seeing God move in, in students' lives, seeing them stand up and preach. And I got people who are in ministry today that I've had the, just the ability to impact their life and to see God to call them and use mm-hmm. them. And so um, I just cherish, you know, those years. And the church I was at uh, called West Columbia Pentecostal Church, the church was growing. It was running about 400, 450 people. And I kind of felt that the, that season was coming to an end as a youth pastor. And so I was kind of looking around but the church also was in a transition as well. The We had bought uh, 12 acres on the same road, but 12 miles away. And so it was a different town, West Columbia. And then if you just, if you went uh, west, you went to a town called Lexington, which was just growing. And we were able to purchase some land on a hill right next to the brand new high school that was hmm. coming. It was going to be a 5A high school, big wow. high school uh, for the state of South Carolina and for that area. It's called Red Bank Um Oh, excuse me, White Knoll High School in the Red Bank area, Lexington. It was just it booming area. And uh, so the whole church was going to go there, which was going to be great. You take four or something people, new area. I mean, yeah. we expected we were going to be a church of a thousand plus. Dun, dun, dun. It was coming. and um, But we could never sell hmm. the property in West Columbia. And um, I remember they were talking about it, what they want to do. And, and they had put it on the market. It was on the market for almost a year, nothing, no, no selling. And, uh, the Lord spoke to pastor Derek and said he wanted to see if he, he was willing to put his Isaac on, on the altar mm-hmm. and just kind of like, you know, how Abraham put Isaac on the altar, see if he was willing to sacrifice it. And God said, I just wanted to see if you're willing, but I have a work that's supposed to take place at West Columbia. And so they said, we're going to multiply. And basically we're going to, those who want to stay at West Columbia and keep that church alive, they can stay. And those who want to go to the new church will go. And what was crazy, uh, it pretty much split down the middle. Now, I, not, not not a church not, split. Yeah. It was a decision. Mm-hmm. But about 220 people stayed at West Columbia. About 220 people, give or take, went to the new church. And um, and they didn't have a pastor. And I kind of wanted At the to new put, church or the original? The new church, Pastor Derek was going. Oh, I gotcha. mean, the, he was going. He's going to sure. new building, new church. I mean, he's going the new stuff. But here's this church, you know, and, and I thought, well, you know, I'm 20, 
28 years old. You know, am I ready? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I am. I don't know. So I, I kind of approached, I said, I think I want to be considered. And, um, it wasn't long, man. They were like, yeah, let's do it. And so I was, I was given the opportunity to be the, the senior pastor. And for 22 months, I was the senior pastor of that church. And I went through a collision course of understanding what pastoring is. And I realized that I wasn't leading the church. Hmm. I was the pastor, but I was still seen as the youth pastor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which is good and bad in some regard. Good. They they see me as a young guy, but there was, I I felt there was no, um, I'll be careful the word respect because people did respect me that knew me and, and loved me, but my leadership style had not grown and I was not ready to really lead. And, um, there was a confrontation with uh, elders and board. I just, I wasn't leading. I mean, I was, it was difficult and mm-hmm. uh, I just knew it was, I had to go. And so I, I resigned after a board meeting uh, and we left the church. We moved, Audrey and I moved to Oklahoma. Um, I was hurt, you know, I mean, I'd given eight years to this church. I'm hurt. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I go to graduate school at Southwestern and I'm writing papers and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just bashing the church, <laughs> you know, and I, one professor wrote on my, what happened to you? Lots of pain. What kind of grade did you get on that paper? I ended up getting like an A cause See, I, that's, that's just, I'm that kind of guy. And, um, <laughs> but just like everything about what I thought church was just crumbled, man. Mm-hmm. Cause youth ministry like within the denomination, I was like conference youth pastor. I mm-hmm. was on the discipleship ministry board. I mean, I, I was carving a path, you know, and, and when I say that, I'm like, I'm known like mm-hmm. youth ministry. People are calling me about youth ministry. We took a youth group from six, you know, to 85, 90, you know, we did it in six years. And just like, you know, like mm-hmm. this is good. And then I step into this role and everything that I thought I could kind of replicate from youth. It's not, it, you can't do it. It's, it's a different ball game. And I just felt defeated. I felt crushed. I felt like, man, it's over. But I'm, I'm sharing this because this is kind of what happened in those eight years of ministry. Although ministry was great, um, I neglected home life. Like, because there's, we had the, what I loved about Pastor Derek is that you, you came to work, you, you had office hours, you, you had to have a calendar. You had to do budgets. You had to know business. You couldn't just stay home, play video games, and then, you know, show up and preach. I mean, that, right. we were, we were doing church as like, you know, this is, we are a growing organization. We were, we're working together to make an impact in the city. And so I learned a work ethic, but in that work ethic, I just wasn't home. Like I just, you know, I thought, Oh, Hey, I don't have together. We're, we're doing church together. Yeah, it's great. And, um, and one of the things that happened where I, I regret this because we're going to be talking about divorce. And so Audrey and I get divorced down the road here. Mm-hmm. But one thing I learned about divorce is um, sometimes we say it's all my fault or we say it's all their fault. Then we'll say it's all my fault. And the truth is it's kind of a combination of both. Right. Um, and but in this scenario, this is kind of where church I, I was married to the church. And my wife has a miscarriage. We go to the um, we go to the hospital. They say she has a miscarriage. We come home, and like I get it. Be mad at me, all the ladies out there. And I was like, okay, are you okay? 
just you hang out here. I'm going to go finish doing the youth ministry thing tonight and I'll be back. Like, mm-hmm. why did I leave? Mm-hmm. Why did I leave her? Right. That was a broken moment for her. And I think I did some of those wounds to her. So I'm, this is not a, a bashing of people who've been to divorce. It's not a bashing of her or me. It's just right. reality of what decisions I made as a young man that didn't recognize that my greatest ministry is home. And if I don't take care of home, who cares? Who cares what accolades I get or, you know, because when the divorce did happen in a few years, it was hard. When we left West Columbia after pastoring those 22 months, we went back to Oklahoma. I was in grad school. She was, she is a part of the Chickasaw Nation um, tribe. So she was able to get a job real quick. Mm -hmm. We had healthcare through them and we had two kids, Carmen and Evelyn. They're about six years apart. So Carmen was at that time, um, Carmen was six and we were pregnant with Evelyn. So when we left the church, I mean, she was a little nervous, but she came back, we got a job. She was, so we started working that way. And I came back and I, I didn't know, I, I didn't work for probably three months. I was in school. Um, I finally did get a little part, a little, a full-time job in the hospital there in Ada. And I don't know, I just, just trying to figure out what am I going to do? What are we going to do as a whole? Mm-hmm. But I felt like as a family, we were kind of resurging, rebirthing. And then the same church I had left mm-hmm. calls me. And this is about a year. This is a year after I left them. They call me and they say, uh, we want you to come back. Now, my family's kind of being restored. I was kind of helping my father-in-law who's a pastor, a little small country church. So I'm, you know, it's different. Like there's more cows than people mm-hmm. in, in right. this town I'm in down in Davis, Oklahoma. And, but we're surviving. We're, you know, we're, we're kind of rebounding as a family. We're being healed. At least I think I was being healed. I don't think Audrey was really totally, I can't really totally speak for her, but I knew she was still had some hurt. And when the church called, I went to her and I said, listen, they want us to come back. What do you think? And I, I saw hesitation in her. Um, but I also, she was like, I trust you that we'll make the right decision. And so I went out there to interview. And what I did, I, I created this document, 16 points of what I felt we needed to come to an understanding about if I was going to lead. And they were, you know, and man, the church leadership agreed. And it was it was like, like wow, God was like healing some stuff between the church and myself. And I was like, okay, maybe this is what the Lord has. And talked to Audrey about it. And, and she again, she said, I trust you, whatever you do. So we made a decision that Carmen and I would leave, go get set up in November, get Carmen in school. And she's six, seven years old and Evelyn's born. And so Audrey's going to bring Evelyn and we'll, she'll come around uh, after Christmas and we'll go back, get them at Christmas and come mm-hmm. back. So we go, you know, and then as we're driving back, I, and I still distinctly remember this because two times it happened as we go into South Carolina, driving through Atlanta, through Augusta, and there's that on I-20 crossing from Augusta into um, South Carolina as a bridge. And as we cross that bridge, I sense tension in Audrey. I wasn't sure what, but just like, almost like, I don't want to be here. You know, but again, we're excited. We're going into ministry. And so um, we we're, we're there. We're, we're doing good now. On the backside, here's the kind of the backstory is Audrey's dad is not doing well. He's got cancer and he's probably going to die 
this this year. This is nineteen. I see what year this would be. This would be two thousand um, four. This would be two thousand four, and so it's possible he's going to die. And so we get to the end of that school year. So it's May, and I'm like, I think I'm making a smart decision here. I go, Audrey. I think it's good if you can go back to Oklahoma, spend the summer with your dad. I think take the girls, y'all go. I'll I'll work here, and then I'll come. You know, every couple of weeks I'll come. I'll fly in, and you know. And uh, so she went and from, I guess, May, school ended, um, June, things are going good. I guess I felt good. We're talking every night. And then we decided to have a, um, a vacation and we meet in Arkansas for vacation. Vacation goes well. My parents are with me. And at the end of that vacation, you know, she just didn't, something didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I go back to South Carolina. She goes back to Oklahoma, being with her dad. And I remember calling her one night and just saying what we always say, you know, hey, I love you. Doesn't say it back. And we hang up and I go, that's strange. I call her back again. I said, hey, you know, just which I love you. And like silence. I'm like, uh, Audrey, what's what's going on? You know, and and she just says, I don't I don't love you anymore. And I don't want to be in ministry anymore. And I'm just like, like this is not a face to face. This is like mm-hmm. on the phone, and uh, I just felt my whole world crash, like in that moment, you know. And then, because this is what happens when, and I've talked to a lot of men, um, when they start going through divorce, and you start feeling rejected, you start to scramble. Like you will do a bunch of things, and some are not healthy. So, men out there, if you're hearing this and you're going through a difficult time, be careful with your emotions because. Because everything I tried to do thinking it would make her come back or make it you know, be super nice, be super sweet. And then flip the next day and be super aggressive and say, get back here. You know, I mean, to, right. you know, it just different things would trigger just emotions out of me and anger and frustration. And um, and so we're going through this throughout. Man, this just was happening in July and then August. And then, of course, her dad passes away so I gotta I gotta go I gotta go out there and so I take a couple weeks I go out in September of uh that year 2005 and um I think it's four or five it's it's in that wheelhouse and um Katrina had just hit so my parents are like down there in Louisiana and I can't talk to them sorry I can't talk to them they are in Louisiana and there's no cell service there's nothing that's going on her dad's passed away and I have with me one of the kids. I think I have Evelyn. She's like the little baby. And I'm driving from South Carolina to Oklahoma. But everyone's moving north, right? Right, mm. Because of the storm. Yeah. So every hotel I'm calling along the way, we're booked, we're booked. And so I, I keep going further north. So I went off of I-20. I went up to I-40. And I found this little rinky-dink hotel. And I got there. And I have Evelyn. She's probably one in my hands. And they had... Like they bumped somebody else. So if you're out there and you got bumped, that was us. Um, <laughs> they bumped someone who had already made the reservation and they gave us that room. And then we go in and um, we're there for the last day and he and he passes away. Hmm. And in that time, I'm trying to, she's grieving, right? And I'm trying to bring reconciliation. So, I mean, this is a mess. Like yeah. there's no, there's no time to actually talk. Um, 
she's in her her element. This is her friends, her place. I don't know this place. I don't know this area as right. well. This is where she's comfortable. I'm not comfortable. And 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 I feel like an outcast because everybody kind of knows what's going on between us. But I have to be there for my kids, all this stuff. And um, I'm just wanting... I just want us to be together. Like I want her back. And so I, I wait two weeks and nothing's changing. She said, I just need more time. And I said, okay, so I, I leave and, um, and I'm trying to pastor. <laughs> wow. But here, here is, I, I don't know if it's a God thing or what my personal life is falling apart. And the church I was pastoring when I, when I came back to it. Now remember I told you I was about 200, 220 when I, first took over it well after i left the church went down to about 140 it, and kind of fallen back and so when i come back god starts moving in the in the church and the church is growing my life is falling apart mm-hmm. and the church is growing and the demands are high mm-hmm. i got there's five staff members I got myself a worship pastor associate pastor a youth pastor the worship and associate pastor, the same person. So myself, the associate pastor, youth pastor, secretary, and a maintenance, like a, a grounds person. We're all full time. And we mm-hmm. and we're just I mean, it's great. Things are good. So I just remember Sundays that I would just be like broken, crying, and then just go preach and come out of my office and just cry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. What's going on? I did that through the month of September. October and then she calls me in October and says I want to come home I'm thinking all right thank you Jesus God you're in the midst yes hallelujah God's restoring right so go get her and again that same drive like we're we're holding hands as I remember this we're holding hands and we cross that bridge and she lets go and, mm. and it's like South Carolina it's, there's a trigger there in South Carolina whatever it is and so I mean we're fighting I mean the whole, we're fighting at home we can't can't figure it out. People are upset. We're still going to counseling. Um, and counseling is hard. Like, it's necessary, but it's hard. Because when you go to counseling, you're already going in thinking that it's all your fault. Like, and that's how I mm-hmm. felt. Oh, it's all my fault. She's just blaming me. And and that's, I'd fight back. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't listen. I, here, I'm going to tell you out there, mm-hmm. there, there's an element to relationships that's not about talking. It's about listening. And exactly. I wish sometimes I would have just listened. I would have just listened and just validated the things that she was going through. But I, but if you ever been in a conversation with somebody and they keep saying the same point over and over again, and you keep saying your same point over and again, and it's like, you're just saying the same thing. Right. You're not really listening. No one's listening and there's no traction. That's what it was like in counseling. And I would get mad and, and get out. And then, and then of course I'd hear her say this as I'm walking out. See, that's what he is. That's what he does. And Mm -hmm. so I had an anger issue. I really did. And, And it's just, Oh, and we could never solve it. And so this is October, November, and then we get to December. And now we're deciding that we are going to, um, she needs a break and she wants to go back to Oklahoma. And and I'm okay. Well, she said, I just need time. Just give me a couple months. And, and so we work out a negotiation. I get a lawyer involved. I don't know if that was a smart thing or not. I did. <laughs> and, um, Cause I really was concerned about her going back and then I would lose rights to my kids. I just, I was really, I didn't know the law. I didn't know all these things. And so, um, I'm worried about her going back. You know, is there another person, you know, what's, I mean, all these things, like what changed? And, uh, so we made an agreement and 
it was great. She signed it. I signed it. And it was basically that it was just saying that she was going to go there for a couple months, figure it out, and then make a decision. If anything did happen, it would have to happen in South Carolina if there was going to be a divorce. So we both sign it. And I bring it back to my lawyer. And she says, it has to be notarized. Well, she's gone. Hmm. And so the month of January was like brutal for mm-hmm. me. So I reach out to her and say, listen, this is what's going on. I just need to sign this. Okay, send it to me. I send it to her. She won't sign it. She will not sign it. And every time I ask her, I'm not going to sign it. I got to think about it. Well, you've already left. We made an agreement. Right. I kind of wish I wouldn't even said it, just like let it go. But I was getting frustrated. Like then, then I go back to that same thing, being angry and threatening. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I just got upset. Like she never would communicate with me. And I didn't make it easy. I, again, like I said, both of us contributed to this. And, and so I decided that I was going to go get the kids. I planned just to go visit. And when she went to work, I packed them up and we drove back mm. to South Carolina. Um, divorce papers were filed and it was just nasty. It was nasty. And I had the kids for the last part of that spring. I guess up until May, uh, the judge ruled in her favor. She got the kids. I just lost everything in that, that moment. How was your faith in that moment where everything that you had lost, you had gained, you know, personally seemed to be ripping apart. Come on, come on, man. How, how, how did that affect your relationship with God? Well, in that, at the beginning, I'm just praying like I'm, God's going to, God's going to take care of me. Right. I mean, I'm the pastor. Right. You know, that's not, you know, God's supposed to take care of the pastor. Right. I mean, that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> and um, so I, and then, of course, when all these decisions went against me, I get selfish and uh, I'm mad. I'm mad at women. I'm mad at, at the Lord. Um, I'm mad about the circumstance. I remember talking to a couple of minister friends saying, I, I probably need to resign. I mean, how, how do I pastor and how do I do this? Um, Which for those that don't know from our vantage point, as far as the circles that you and I are describing that we're from, mm-hmm. um, that would, would be kind of a, especially back in the nineties, that still was a big deal. Yeah. You, you, know? you, just, you um, didn't have divorce so, pastors. It wasn't, wasn't nice. It wasn't good. People look down. Yeah. It, I mean, my goodness, we can't have a pastor who goes through the very same things that, the average member goes through. I mean, yeah. we can't, we can't do that. So how did, how did the church, so you and Audrey wind up getting a divorce? Yeah. We, we the process starts, it, it takes, it takes two years yeah. for everything to go through because of just the negotiation stuff. Were you surprised at West Columbia's attitude towards you? Yes, I was, um, I had already went to my conference um, cause I have, I report, you know, as a minister, we report to the conference of the bishop and they said, uh, we support you. You know, we're, we're with you. Um, I went to the, to the board and the elders and they were like, no, we're, we're with you. And so now were people talking about it behind my back? Yeah. Sure. I mean, but I never heard anything like detrimental to me. Like I was, <laughs> I mean, my whole, those two years, I just remember crying, preaching and crying. I remember, I remember going in my home being mm. just broken. I remember just figuring out how, how am I going to, 
how do you do anything? I miss my kids, man. I mean, when you go from having everyone together and then you walk into just this empty place, it's not like, you know, when your wife and kids or someone leaves for a couple of days, oh, I got right. the house to myself. I can, you know, do what I right. want. I mean, now you do what you want all the time. And it was, it was, I didn't want to be home, man, but that's where I ended up being at my house. Um, I didn't want to throw myself into my work, which would have been what would have probably should have happened. Um, just to kind of, Oh, I'm going to overcome it. No, I, I couldn't. I was a mm. walking mess. Um, counseling I had to, I had, I was, I saw a counselor for three years yeah. just, and which is good. Mental health stuff's good. Totally. Y'all. You need to, you need to do that. And just walking through this and, I had what's sad about that, at least even listening to your story and knowing my story is we only think about our mental health when it's crashed. Yeah. We don't think about doing maintenance all along. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why we, I'm a huge proponent of mental health counseling isn't just to get us out of the ruts that we're in, but it's to prepare us with the tools for the next rut that's coming. Yeah. Um, And so um, if you're someone who's listening today and you've gone through divorce and maybe you're listening to Brad's story right now here on um, the stream grace network and you, you can identify completely. I want you for a moment for the next few moments as we continue, I want you to forget that he's a minister. I want you to forget that he's a pastor, that he's supposed to be a guy that's got it all together. Because let me just be honest with you. Most of the guys standing behind pulpits every week, most of us don't have it all together. Uh, we act like we do because we feel like we have to, but most of us don't. All of us are humans. All of us struggle and all of us have issues. And what Brad is describing may sound exactly like your experience right now. But again, our theme today is redemption and there is hope on the backside of pain. So many people get to pain and you think that hurt is all that you see. But I want you to listen for the next few moments because there is hope, not just on the other side of Brad's pain, but there is hope. I promise you on the other side of your pain as well. So you go through mental health counseling. Yeah, I'm doing that. I got great staff, Hugh Ward, um, Brandon Gardner, Brandon's my youth pastor. I'm okay. Yeah, you're good. Um, And it's just like, they held me. They were like, they were holding my arms up, you know, taking care of things, you know, when I'm (laughs) out of pocket. And so, yeah, it, that's kind of what's happening. And I, and I end up having a friend named Randy Spires. He allowed me uh, just to come to his house. And I think I said the same story over and over again, the same frustrations to him. And he listened. He didn't, didn't try and figure me out. He didn't try and, I'm going to give you the best advice. No, he just listened. Yeah. And I needed that individual. And, um, Matter of fact, he just kind of made his place available to me. So I'd go over and they, him and his wife would feed me. Now they were attending our church, but I just had a really good friendship with him. And Randy just, he had a building in his backyard and we could go back there and put a ball game on. And I would probably just complain about Audrey this and Audrey, you know. Now, here's the good thing. Audrey and I are friends now. Like, yeah. And I, and there's a redemptive story that even took place. You know, I got to be married and even between my wife and Audrey. I mean, there was a, a great moment between them two where now when we go hang out, when we go to like to see our my kids play a sport, we all sit together. My little kids get in Audrey's lap and they hug her. And your like, little cats, kids from your second From marriage. my second wife, yeah. Uh, so they, they're like, what was one, one funny thing that came out of it was um, Sullivan, she was three years old 
and she saw the transition you know, that that Carmen and and uh, Evelyn, these are my older two daughters from Audrey, uh, they'd come and visit, and then they'd go back to Audrey. And so Sullivan said, how old am I going to be when I go to Audrey's house? And I'm like, <laughs> like you're not. <laughs> um, wow. But Randy, anyway, he's like this guy, and all of a sudden, and his daughter had been at Clemson University, and so she comes home from graduating, and she starts a job, but she's still living at home. And so Whitney's there. And Randy's there, and I'm seeing Randy and hanging out with Randy, and then Whitney's hanging out with us, and I'm hanging out with Randy, and then Whitney's hanging out, and then I start hanging out with Whitney and kind of seeing Randy. And what Randy said before Whitney and I got married, he said, he used to come see me, but then I realized he wasn't seeing me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and what's crazy is the first time that I met Whitney, Yeah, I mean, my wife, Shander, and I, I remember the dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the process of recovering from my own health issue that night. And uh, I remember us getting in the car going, dang, how does he do it? Both blonde haired, blue eyed beauties, man. I mean, he's got it going on. But what stood out to us about Whitney was um, just for the time in your life, it, it's she seemed like the perfect, yeah. the perfect match. And I think for everybody listening, if you feel like, man, there's no hope on the backside of your pain. Um, here, here's something I really want you to consider. Usually the places that hurt us are the places that God is going to use to heal us. For example, Brad got hurt in a relationship, yet it was through another relationship that he had to be open to that God used to heal him. For so many people, you get hurt in church and you bail on church, but yet really it's by getting involved in church again that God can use the very place that hurt you to be the thing that heals you. And uh, we, we can't just bail on everything whenever we feel pain. I want you to know that redemption is that whole idea of at one point, Brad felt like his life was suddenly in a cage and then God brought him through that to where now you're living in a wide open space, man. I mean, you wind up coming to to Oklahoma city. You, you and your wife are here. Your wife is now doing ministry on a scale that you weren't even involved in doing you're impacting still the next generation through Southwestern Christian University. Um, so the same voice that that was speaking to West Columbian young people um, is now speaking to young people from all across the nation. And what if you had allowed the hiccup yeah. to become your death stone, your tombstone? And so, you know, we got married and we spent another six, eight years in West Columbia pastoring. So it was 18 mm. years total at that church. And then in 2013, we got the invitation to come to Southwestern. My wife had been a nurse. She was a nurse for 13 years, and now she is the uh, women's ministry, women's director, ministry director for the denomination, uh, the and she's ministering. Um, it's just incredible. Uh, before we close, I want to say this one thing about something my mother said, and I wanted to, to I never wanted to hurt my mom. Give that, props to mom. That, that one time I was mad at my mom. But she said to me, she said, Brad, you know, everything's temporary. God can turn it around in a mm-hmm. dime. And I was like, you don't understand what I'm walking through, woman. <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. And so, um, anyway, but I believe that now. I mean, yes, that's a temporary pain. And like I look back now, we're talking, Whitney and I have been married 12 years. Uh, recently just had our uh, anniversary in January. I don't remember, like, yeah. the depth of that pain. I know it was painful. Right. I know it hurt. I know I'm scarred from it, but I don't remember, like, how it felt. I, I knew it was hard. But I, just don't remember. Like, yeah. I think God's healed that. Um funny story about Whitney when we got married the night before we got married uh, because I I knew the Spires family for a long time 
um, Randy asked why he's a good friend and his kids. And so the night we, before we get married, we, um, we exchanged these little cards. And so my cards, I love you, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I open up her card and it is uh, a little certificate, a little yellow certificate from True Love's Weights. Remember? remember yeah. Love oh, wow. True Love Weights. And so she gives me this little card and it says, I, Whitney Spires, have like did the program and she wrote her name and it's signed by her youth pastor. Hmm. And my signature, because I was her youth pastor. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but again, we didn't get married until she had already but here's, college. <laughs> here's the point, and I want everybody out there That's listening. That's illegal. <laughs> Not, I didn't. No. <laughs> I want everybody listening to understand that I've got great plans of having Brad back with us. He's got leadership qualities inside of him. But I'm Brad, thanks for sharing your story. And if you're listening today and you feel like the hurt um, is drowning out your hope. I want you to know there is there is hope on the other side of your pain. And there is redemption if you'll give your hurt to God and believe that there is better days in front of you than the one that you're going through right now. And um, Brad, I'll tell you what, we don't do this very often on this podcast, but I just feel like we need to do it right now. Um, so everybody hang with me for another 45 seconds or whatever. Brad, why don't you pray for people that are listening yeah. today that feel like, like 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 this hurt is about to drown them. Yeah, I understand, man. Let's do that. Father, I thank you uh, for giving us this opportunity just to minister to people all over the world that could be hearing this at this moment. Maybe they're hurting today. Uh, maybe they just feel like there's no hope and everything is just crashing down upon them. But we know what your word says, that you are a sustainer of life. You're a God that brings hope and a God that brings joy. And so even in the midst of difficult days, walking through the valley of the shadow of death, Lord, we choose not to fear evil. We choose not to, to look at the circumstances, though it's uh, an endless uh, situation where we can't get out of it. But we turn our eyes to you. We look to the King who gives us hope. And I just pray, God, that right now, that man, that woman, those hurts, those pains, those moments of being alone, I pray, God, that you come and bring hope and healing in Christ's name. Amen. Brad, thanks for being with us. I look forward to having you back. Listen, if you would like to find out more information about um, Southwestern Christian University, a great place to send your kids, um, uh, I want you to go visit them at swcu.edu. That's swcu.edu, Southwestern Christian University. It's a uh, obviously a Christian university based in Bethany, Oklahoma, um, that they've got athletics, uh, all kinds of of um, general education, but it is all wrapped around the idea that we are to be ministers in every area of our life. And uh, Brad Davis, um, I'll tell you what, Brad, I'm, I had a, a hookup with my son this morning, Jonathan. Uh -huh. And when he heard that you were coming, he was very bummed that he's got a class because <laughs> he wanted to come and say hi to you. So hi from my son, Jonathan. Wonderful. And thank you, everybody else, for being with us today on the Renewed You podcast. Jeremy, thanks for being here and uh thanks for listening to his story pretty powerful oh, yeah. my role i just i just throw the jokes in from time to time <laughs> we need that it's right <laughs> he keeps it from cratering in the the depths of seriousness <laughs> over here thanks again for listening to the renewed you podcast right here on the stream grace network to find out more or find more podcasts visit us at streamgrace.com god bless we'll see you next time and remember the world deserves a renewed you